Hey, it's Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for tuning in to our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this helps you continue to grow in your faith journey. Today on the Tower Hill podcast, we are joined by a guest preacher, our own Chris Pete. Chris is an active member here at Tower Hill and a regular musician in our worship band. He also just recently finished his studies at the New York Theological Seminary. So let's hear what he has to say right now. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Tower Hill Online. I'm so glad that you could tune in and and check us out today and worship God with us. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chris Pete. I am a member of Tower Hill here, and I'm also a candidate under the care of the Presbytery of the Coastlands. And if you don't know what that is, that's our presbytery. Um, You're excused for not knowing because the name change only happened a couple weeks ago. Uh, So I'm excited to be here with you this morning. Glad you could tune in and uh, hear God's word. Friends, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that sounds like a pretty momentous event to me. So I wonder if you're familiar with the idea of red-letter dates. These are significant dates. Something important happens, maybe something you remember, something that changed uh, the world, or something that changed the way you look at the world. And in modern times, even, these are the types of events where people remember where they were when something happened. So, for example... July 4th, 1776. I hope that's a date a lot of us remember. Maybe not remember from being there, uh, although if you do remember it from being there, maybe you also know the saying uh, that Abraham Lincoln said about not being able to believe everything that you read on the internet. Um, Obviously, the, the Declaration of Independence was signed on that day, so that was a great day for our country, the founding of our country, and for changing the world in terms of understanding human rights. Or another date, like November 22nd, 1963. Maybe not so great a date. That's the date of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. But that, to me, is the first event that people really started saying, I remember where I was when that happened. Or July 20th, 1969, which was Apollo 11 and the first man on the moon. So that was a pretty momentous event for our entire world and for all of humankind. Or January 28th, 1986, which was the date of the space shuttle Challenger explosion. Also, not a great date, but also something that a lot of people my age, at least, remember where they were when that happened. Or, here's a red-letter date in the history of science. November 5th, 1955. The date that Doc Brown discovered time travel by building a time machine out of a DeLorean. I have a few red-letter dates in my own life, things that I experienced something that changed the way I look at the world, the way I understand the world. Um, First and foremost, and probably most significant to me, um, 
was uh, the experience of September 11th, 2001. I was working just a couple blocks away from the World Trade Center, so I have vivid memories of that event. Um, and the whole time it was happening, I was telling myself, this can't be real. This can't happen here, not in America. This can't be real. This is something from a movie or a book, or maybe a Tom Clancy novel, for example. Um, and the thing that I started to realize there was that the world maybe wasn't as safe and secure as I thought. It really shook my worldview. Uh, and then August 23rd, 2005, which is the date of Hurricane Katrina, and that was not so much a, something that touched me personally, but I realized how thin the margin is between normal day-to-day -day life and a disaster that is almost uh, irrecoverable. And then, of course, follow that up a few years later on October 22nd, 2012, <clears throat> with Superstorm Sandy, which was here and did touch probably many people's lives in this room, and just sort of reinforced the idea that Disasters can be so big that we haven't really planned well to cope with them and to recover with, from them. And so in recent years, it seems like these sort of events may even be escalating. Um, we see crises and disasters happening around the world. Natural disasters like hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, tsunamis, wildfires... Um, I even heard recently of something called a zombie fire, which happens uh, in the Arctic Circle, um, where um, the fire actually thaws the perma permafrost, and the fire goes underground and smolders, sometimes for months. And the firefighters will think they've taken care of it and go away, and then some months later, that fire can spark again and go back into a full-blown wildfire pretty scary. Um, we also have medical crises. We've had, you know, history of this, this century, a big flu epidemic in the late 1910s, 1918, 1919. And then, of course, most recently COVID, which I think changed a lot of our understandings of how the world can function and what is needed and what is not needed. And then social and political uh, things with social media and polarization, where people get separated into echo chambers that reinforce their beliefs, but also sort of put people on edge. And it seems like everyone's on edge and ready to be outraged when someone disagrees with them. So, you know, if we put some of these together with COVID and with this sort of sense of outrage um, and easily being offended, uh, you can be afraid to speak up. Uh, it could be over mask wearing, it could be over vaccination, it could be over a political view. And you're afraid to state your position because you might be uh, attacked. Uh, or you're afraid to come to someone else's defense uh, because you might be attacked. And I think the net effect of that is that uh, the gospel message can get lost because we're confused and fearful about how to respond to what's happening. So I think maybe God has something to say about this sort of experience of 
our worldview being shaken and how we might respond. So I'd like to look at scripture now. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 through 28. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Once more, but implying only once more. And the words once more, this is verse 27, indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Sort of like if you were sifting flour, and you want to sift it out and get the good flour out and get the impurities out of the flour so you're only left with that good stuff. The stuff that cannot be shaken remains. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. Now, I want to talk about a couple of words in this passage, receiving and kingdom and shaken. We'll come back to that in just a minute. First, I'd like to talk a little bit about the context of the book of Hebrews. This book was written at a time when the Christian church was forming. There was uh, the Roman state cult, and in general, everyone was expected to follow the practices of this Roman state religion. But the Jewish people were sort of grandfathered in that they didn't have to. They espoused a belief in one true God, and they had a code of laws that they followed to uh, participate in their religion. And the Romans let that happen and didn't require them to participate in the Roman state religion. But the Christians occupied a, a strange sort of middle space here because they believed in the same God that the Jewish people believed in, but they didn't necessarily follow all the rules. And so the Romans were left with this sort of conundrum about how to deal with things. And the book of Hebrews was written in this space with a mission uh, of a twofold message. One uh, aim of the book is to show that Christianity is sort of the fulfillment of the Jewish religion and that Christianity and Jesus Christ fulfill important prophecies that come out of the Jewish traditions. But the other reason was to convince believers of the superiority of Christianity to prevent them from going back to the Jewish religion, which they could have wanted to do because then they would move into a safer space where their religious practices were accepted and they could follow them without worrying. In Greek, which is the original language that this was written in, verbs have, are, are a little bit unique compared to English. So we're familiar with past tense, present tense, future tense, that tell when an action happens. And Greek has that, but Greek has another concept called aspect that tells how the action happens. And in this particular case, the Greek word that gets translated to receiving is in a continuous aspect. That means that receiving is a continuous action. It started in the past, 
and it continues but is not completed. In other words, it's a transformation. The second important word, we are receiving a kingdom. The kingdom. I would suggest to you that this is the kingdom of God. And Jesus taught us about the kingdom of God in parables. The parable of the mustard seed. A really tiny seed. I don't know if you've ever seen one, but they are very small. And yet they grow into a large bush. Another parable that Jesus told was the parable of the wheat and the tares. And the idea here is that um, the wheat was planted, but over time, weeds grew up around the wheat. And so the gardener is saying, we should, cut, we should get rid of these weeds. We should cut them down so that the wheat can grow. And the owner said, no, don't cut down the weeds because you might inadvertently also take some of the wheat. And so this is a parable about how the church and Christian, the Christian community exists side by side and intermingled with the rest of the world. And then a third parable is the parable of the yeast in the dough. And the yeast starts as a small amount in the dough, but as the dough is kneaded, the yeast works through it, through all of it, enabling it ultimately to rise. And then the third word is shaken. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The sense of the word that translates as shaken in this passage shows that the purpose is to reveal things that cannot be shaken. The things that can be shaken will fall away so that the things that cannot be shaken will remain and even become visible. Shaking things up leads to growth and transformation. When Jesus healed on the Sabbath, he was shaking things up. Because one of the rules of the religious uh, community at that time was that no work could be done on the Sabbath. So famously the Pharisees made the case that Jesus healing on the Sabbath was a sin because it was breaking religious rules, religious laws. But Jesus was doing it to shake things up, to really question what the intent of those laws were, and to show that maybe seeing a person in need and addressing that need was more important than obeying the letter of the law. What is left after something is shaken up is exactly what God wants to remain. What, in this passage, where we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What is shaken are the parts that aren't the kingdom. And what remains after the shaking is the kingdom of God as it was meant to be. God's kingdom is unshakable. So if we think about this in the context of our individual faith, how can you and I have unshakable confidence. In truth, it's all about the cross. Jesus was born, lived, died, was resurrected, because that enables us to have a relationship with God. It broke down the walls between us. 
in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God made a way for us to have a relationship. That gift is given to us. We cannot do anything to earn it. It is not something earnable. It is not something that we deserve, but it is offered freely to us. And all we have to do is accept the gift and follow. We follow Jesus, get to know Jesus and build a relationship with Jesus through things we've talked about here at Tower Hill before, reading scripture, spending time in prayer and in worship and in fellowship and in service and in study of the Bible in groups. And all of this, building this relationship, is just the beginning of our journey because this journey is all about transformation. As God molds us more and more into the image of Christ as we grow. Our foundation is the unshakable rock of Jesus. We know because of the gift of Jesus Christ that we are loved, that we belong. God will never forsake us. God will never leave us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we are still looking for God, God has found us. We can continue to rely on this relationship, to trust God if we remain in Christ. And that is the kingdom that cannot be shaken. We, my friends, are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. To the glory of God.